Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, November the 9th of 2020. Uh, We would like to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from. We want to tell you just how much uh, we appreciate uh, the time that you spend with us in studying the Word of God. We believe it's not a coincidence. It is not by accident that you're here. I do believe the Holy Spirit is drawing us together for such a time like this. This is the beginning of the week of November 9th. Uh, so many interesting things happened over the weekend, and um, and it's only going to get more interesting in the following days. So what we seek to do is to continue to to listen to the voice of God and, and see what God is saying. And more than ever before, I believe the voice of God is clear. It's it's clear, it's sounding in the hearts of those who are seeking him. So we are delighted to be with you, and uh, we pray that this week we'll have another week in the Word of God as we are challenged, as we are exhorted, as we are encouraged in the Word of God. Today in our panel, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, it is a privilege and honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty... Uh, this is the beginning of the week, and I know God has something fresh for us. I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, and we're looking forward to another week in the Word of, of God. Uh, as Brother Jeremy has been pointing out, those of you who just crawled up out of uh, a cave somewhere and don't know it, we had a an election in the United States last week. We We've been discussing... Over several days, the what we see happening as, as, as a result of it, uh, there's much taking place. And lest you think that what is happening in our country is simply something that's occurring as a result of uh, you know our own election, and it really has nothing to do with the rest of the world, uh, that's just frankly not true. Uh, this is a global concerted effort uh, <clears throat> to to install in power uh, the, the choice of, of the global elite. And with that in mind, we've kind of put a pause on Paul's sermon there in Athens, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take this day by day uh, as we come to you. As many things in, uh, are fluid right now, many events uh, occurring around the world, and and so we want to look at them from the perspective of not only what's happening currently, but what is possibly uh, some of the things that are that are just ahead of the Church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things that we need to understand and, and be aware of uh, in advance. And and so with that in mind, uh, we're going to explore in the next couple of days. Today will be kind of an overview uh, discussion between the, my brothers and I, and we pray it will be a blessing to you. But we're going to begin to look a little more, uh, <clears throat> uh, have a little bit more uh, intense focus uh, on, on the book of Revelation beginning this week. And so we're going to start in Revelation chapter uh, 13, and we're going to look at some things. We'll be going back and forth throughout the chapter, uh, but today we're going to zone in on something in particular, and that is uh, what is predicted to be uh, a turning uh, of of of, uh, of of the flow of the way things will be happening in the end times, and what's predicted there is a, a, a coming war uh, a spiritual war, but also a, uh, you know, a physical battle 
uh, of persecution that's coming upon upon the whole church. And and this is what we need to consider uh, in in in, uh, in our studies today. And and then we pray that that it that it would be enlightening and uh, and provoke thought in these kinds of things. So we're going to look at that today. And I'm going to ask uh, Brother Jeremy if he could begin our study uh, by reading. Uh, let's see here. Let's start uh, in verse five. And if you could, Brother Jeremy, read it to verse seven. We encourage you that that are out there to please have your Bibles uh, if you want to follow along with us. And we also encourage you to uh, to share these podcasts with with your friends, your families. Those that you think would uh, would would benefit from the things that we discuss here, uh, as we've always said, we're not trying to build something here. We're not asking for money, but we do need your help in getting the word out. So it is growing steadily. As I get reports from different places, hearing uh, you know uh, good reports of people sharing these podcasts and and the effect and impact that it is having on people's lives. And so we encourage you, please, to uh, to do that <clears throat> if you find. Uh, that it would value uh, other people that you know in particular or who they might know. So we thank you for listening. We're excited as we go forward in these most uh, prophetic of times. And and I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy to begin uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 5 through 7, and we'll we'll talk a little bit today. And again, remember, today's kind of an overview introduction as we get into the rest of the week. But but, uh, we encourage you to review this chapter as we begin today. And we ask the Lord's blessing on not only today, but but this entire week for you, your families, and for our our efforts in the gospel in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you uh, would you start our podcast off this week, Revelation thirteen verse five through seven, please? Amen. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Amen. It was given unto him uh, to make war uh, with the saints and and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. So what we learned from that is that this is a this is a global thing that is going to happen. There are many events that the Book of Revelation is is revealing to us will occur prior to that. We need to. We need to understand what appears to be being revealed here in in verse 5, and we need to take note of that, is that it says that there's given to him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. So the Bible is very specific in drawing our attention uh, to the time frame. What we and again, brothers, as I talk, interrupt me because I'll talk forever. So <laughs> please jump in uh, as 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 you feel led to do so. Again, what we're what we're zoning in on here is these this 42 month period. Uh, 
this is what Jesus called in Matthew 24, uh, the great tribulation. And I just kind of want to make a statement here as we get started this week. You know, the, the evolution of, of eschatology, that is the study of end time things really began to take shape in particular directions uh, at the beginning of the 20th century as uh, as we had many events taking place in the world uh, but especially within the in the community of the church as we closed out the 19th century and into the 20th century a doctrine began to emerge which really had its origins in in England uh, uh, which flowed out of out of the the camp of the uh, the Plymouth Brethren, or the Brethren, I think that's what they were called, um, whose whose leader was a man by the name of, of Darby, and he began to put forth a thought or a prophetic interpretation of Scripture uh, that had to deal with a pre-tribulation uh, rapture of the church. And it, it it gained such strength and power as we went into the 20th century that it really molded and shaped the concept of how prophecy was viewed. And in many ways, it became a, a dogma all to its own. And anybody outside uh, that thought of a pre-tribulation rapture was was in many cases, especially, and in some circles, it, it became a point of salvation even. You know, if you didn't believe this, you weren't really saved, you know. Uh, and, and there's been many great and, and wonderful saints of God and men of God through the years who held to this view uh, of, of an escape out, off the earth before anything bad would happen. But I think what we began to see as, as we've grown and events of the day began to uh, unfold in our time, and that much of what they had anticipated would be happening in their own limited understanding which really was was couched and influenced uh, by their times uh began to fade away and and many of the trigger points that they looked to as to be uh you know the 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 signals and the signs of a pre-tribulation rapture being imminent have come and gone and we're still here do you believe in a rapture absolutely but I think where we part ways is is where uh, where where the timing of a rapture is uh, is understood. Many would say, is the rapture itself uh, a point of salvation? Of course not. Is the understanding of the rapture vital to us? Well, that could be debated, but I think that I think that should it be, and I'm just throwing this out here, and I may you guys jump in and give me your thoughts. Should it be that the rapture of the church uh, does not occur in the timing or in the time frame that the pre-tribulationists hold to their view? What will that do to those who have been taught such a thing when when they begin to come up under uh, what is predicted by the book of Revelation to be a focused effort by the enemy to persecute not only Israel, uh, but the remnant of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that finds itself alive uh, during the times of uh, of this rise of the Antichrist and his system. And I said it that way to say that, you know, many people's faith will be shaken if they've mm-hmm. held to this, right? If they've held to this view, 
and it's not true, what will that do for their faith? Do you have any thoughts on that, brothers? I think it's 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 a uh, it, it's almost catastrophic, you know, because it it leaves the 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 saint of God who for many years, you know, uh, have believed that, including myself. That's that's the way I was brought up, you know. That that mm-hmm. was what was taught to me. It will leave the, the the believer unprepared to what is for what is coming, and that's where I think the danger lies. Well, I think the enemy has taken advantage of this. You know what I'm saying? To yeah. redirect the focus of the believer on here, a kingdom now, or just here, you know, in this world, and and not to really pay attention to prophecy or the book of Revelation. Because if we hold to a pre-trib, um, uh, a pre-trib belief, then what is said in Revelation probably becomes for us. You know what I'm saying? If you believe that, like. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't affect us. It doesn't apply to us, right? And yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing, brother Marty. Um, it it this this um doctrine has made such an effect that even um uh the the writer Schofield, you know, was a big yeah. uh he popularized this um belief in the United States when that Schofield when the Schofield Bible was printed. So. Um, I just to answer your question in short is yes, I think it does have effects uh that could be crucial and, 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 and dangerous to the believer if this if it doesn't happen the way it is taught. Amen. And you know, like Jeremiah told Hananiah, I hope what you're saying comes to pass. But I anchor right. myself in the word of God, right? So um uh, it's interesting you mentioned Brother Schofield because he I don't know if he was a brother or not, but you know, without I'll leave that debate for much more learned men than us. But um, he was mentored by Mr. Darby that we were talking about. He was a, a student of his. Schofield was was infamous for being a you know a, a shyster attorney who was thrown in prison for embezzlement. You know, and uh, so he had a kind of a shady past there. But anyway, he hooks up with Darby and buys in lock, stock, and barrel, as they say, into this pre-tribulation rapture um, theory, because really that's what it is. And and he writes the Schofield Bible, which became an incredibly powerful driving force within the uh, seminaries uh, of our time, right, in the 20th century. They used it specifically in, 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 uh, in, in the Baptist schools of theology, Dallas Theological Seminary, um, you know, and it, it emerged into what we had, you know, going into the 20th century. But as time has begun to unfold, uh, we've had to take a critical view uh, for our own, like Brother Jeremy said, uh, protection. You know, I, I used to like what some of the guys used to say when they said, you know, I'm I'm preparing like <laughs> like we're going to have to endure some things, but I'm hoping uh, that that. You know, I always hope that we can get out of here before then, right? But if that's not going to happen, at least, right? At least mentally, I've prepared myself, and and uh, and you know, caused myself to to you know hunker down and and expect what's coming. And so we can get into a, a, a at other days we'll get into deeper thoughts on those things. But but what we do know from the scriptures, uh, let's take a look at that real quick, brother Jeremy. In First Thessalonians chapter five, I think it is Paul. Paul says to to me, which is a key point here. Um, 
in verse uh, 9, chapter 5, verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians. Could you read that to us? For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our by our Lord Jesus Christ. So there we have the issue. Um, the issue is wrath. You know, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. And... And he also calls the final three and a half years of history in Matthew chapter 24 uh, the great tribulation. For, for then shall be great tribulation, such as the world has, has not seen. And so I think where, where we have division and in interpretation in the churches is, is just that, is that there are those in the pre-tribulation rapture, even the name of it, uh, who believe that, that we won't see any of the tribulation period. Uh, but that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that the church of the living God is not appointed unto wrath. The wrath of God is meant to be poured out upon an unbelieving and Christ-rejecting world. It is it is from this wrath that we will be taken and protected by God because his church uh, does not take the wrath of God. But he has told us that there are things coming. And, and that we must prepare uh, to endure those things. I think that's what John was trying to refer to back in Revelation chapter 13, uh, verse 10. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? 13, 10. Yes. And uh, John. I mean, I'm sorry, the book of Revelation, 13, 10. Revelation. Yes. <laughs> it says, um, yeah, he that, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So he he's actually talking there uh, about uh, the Antichrist and his system taking captive, uh, but his judgment will be himself to be taken captive. He will kill with the sword, but he himself will be judged by the sword. And then John emphasizes that it's going to require uh, the patience and the faith of the saints to witness or to wait until that time comes. He's literally telling the church that you're going to have to have patience in this time. Jesus spoke about the hour of my patience, right? Because you've kept the word of my patience. I think he says that to the church at Philadelphia. Let's take a look at that in uh, we can see here. Chapter 3, is it, Brother Jeremy? Yeah, 3, verse 10. Yeah. Go ahead. Can you read that? Uh, yeah. Verse 10. Yeah. Because, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come which shall upon come. all the world yeah. to try them that dwell upon the earth. So he's talking about a time that's coming, uh, and the word temptation it, it, it literally means a, a scrutiny, a trial, a test. There's there's a there's a there's a time of testing. He he whittles it down, prophetically speaking, to an hour, emphasizing the brevity of time. But he also uh, talks to the church in Philadelphia, promising uh, a protection. And, and and it's interesting what he says here in verse ten, because they have kept the word of of his patience, his patience. It's a very deep subject and with multi-layers, but 
but the patience of the saints is is really uh, uh <laughs> it's a fellowship that we have with the Lord himself. Remember this that that the Lord went into Gethsemane, and what was being examined there as he represented all who would ever believe as the Son of God as a as man, God manifested in the flesh, right. Was that he he went and he 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 prayed three times specifically that that the cup would pass from him, uh, but then he would say, nevertheless, not as I will, right, uh, but as as you will. And then when when in speaking of the trial he was going to go through, he called it the hour of darkness. Your hour has come. This is what he's referring to. And every single person within the church itself that finds itself alive when these end time events begin to happen is going to go through a Gethsemane experience. We're going to be led to the place of pressing. But we have to understand that on the other end of that, coming out of that, uh, will be a, a, a resurrection, if you will. There's a cross to endure, followed by a great resurrection. And and this is what we're being promised. You know, as we've done these podcasts this year of 2020 and all the events that we've seen and experienced, and there's many more yet to come, trust me, this thing is not over by any means. We're just getting started. Time to buckle our spiritual <laughs> seatbelts and get ready for the, for the ride ahead because it's begun in earnest. But with that said, that, you know, one of the things that, that we have discovered is is just the level of or the lack of the level of biblical instruction that has been given to the church in this country especially over the last several decades and so that when we try to approach these subjects and begin to teach these things that we're talking about and have been talking about in many circles uh, especially early on they were viewed as really harsh or really extreme which i had to laugh about and we've laughed about together uh, because all we're doing is quoting the word of God. <laughs> so so it's like, you know, we're not making this stuff up, man. I mean, it's here in the word. And so one of the things that that, that is very uh, hard for us to wrap our, our minds around is that we, we, uh, we're going to have to understand what the prophets have been revealing to us is that a time, like we saw in Revelation chapter 13, and let's go back there, uh, has been set aside uh, where the the devil and 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 his son, if you want to call him that, the Antichrist himself, will finally be given uh, a 42 month period in which which all power will be given to him. What's interesting, and we'll explore that as we go along this week, is if we're back to verse five. Let's take a look at verse five here in Revelation 13. Look what it says. It says, and there was given unto him a mouth. Now, prior to that statement being made, you can read it from verse 1 through 4. Everything that's being dealt with is a system, a global state system. And we'll look into that tomorrow, Lord willing. We might touch upon it here and there as we're in our discussion today. But, but there's a global system that begins to arise, and it precedes this persecution we're talking about this war against the saints we're talking about, and it precedes the actual manifestation of that wicked one. 
In other words, when you read verse 1 through 4, what you're seeing is a system that rises, and we'll get into it in, in more specifics again, like we said, as we go along. But uh, but after verse 4, can you read verse 4, Brother Jeremy, to us? Yes. <clears throat> and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And then what happens? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Now remember what we learned from Revelation chapter 9. That, that the devil himself will be given a key to the bottomless pit. He's given the permission to open it. And from that pit comes a particular being. Can you read that to us in, in Revelation 9, Brother Jeremy? Uh, read verse, uh, verse. Yeah, read verse 1 and 2, and then, uh, and then read verse 11. In chapter 9? Yes, please. Oh, okay. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Verse 11. And they yes, had a king what? over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So we, <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that he goes into using Greek and Hebrew, mm -hmm. and 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 he identifies him by both languages, and and that's for another day. But this seems to indicate that he will have uh, some sort of a Jewish component to him, some sort of a, a false Messiah that that the Jews could accept. But notice that he's also using the Greek language, calling him Apollyon, which which harkens back to Alexander the Great, probably the greatest prefigure of the Antichrist we've seen, who died at the age of 33, uh, by the way. And 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 so we see the, the 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 coming together here. But what I want to point out here is that in verse one, what you just read, Brother Jeremy, what we see is a star falling from heaven. This is very symbol symbolic language. It kind of parallels what we read in in Revelation 12, right? When we look at uh, what it says here, um, let's see, in verse uh, nine, can you read verse nine or verse eight and nine? Chapter 12, verse eight and nine. And we'll start with verse not. I'm seven. sorry. Start with verse seven, seven through yeah. nine. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. When we get to Revelation 12, it's kind of like this general 
overview of great and mighty things that are taking place in the end times and actually throughout history, but it culminates with this the, uh, the, this war that's being described and then Satan being cast down from heaven to the earth. Chapter 9 seems to be indicating that he is that star that falls from heaven. Jesus talked about uh, that when he said, I saw Lucifer uh, fall from heaven. Let's take a look at that in Luke chapter 10, I think it is. I remember here, Luke 10, uh, where would that be? Luke 10, let's look at, uh, yeah, uh, verse 17 and 18. Can you, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So he uses that same language that we see appear again in Revelation chapter 9 uh, of this fall from heaven. And that's why we identified this star. You know, if he compares scripture with scripture, the angels are likened to... Uh, the stars, you know, the morning stars sang on the day that God laid the cornerstone of the foundation of creation, right? So here we see a fifth angel blowing a trumpet, a star falling from heaven. I think that that is exactly what's being described in Revelation chapter 12, when we see war in heaven and the devil himself coming, uh, being cast out of heaven down to the earth. Now notice what happens in Revelation chapter 9. It says, uh, I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. And then it says that to him, the falling, the fallen star was given the key to the bottomless pit so that he could do something. And what does he move to do? He opens the pit. And so when the pit is open, there's many things we you could read in your own time here. But uh, ultimately, what emerges from the pit is a particular angel who apparently has been chained there and and uh he has a name his name is abaddon in the in the hebrew apollyon in the greek it's it's interesting to think of it in the sense that that he uh is allowed to come forth it is him that will take full possession under the control of the devil himself uh, of the Antichrist. And I think that's what we're seeing. He has to be loosed. Now, the implications of this uh, are incredible because when you begin to dig in, in, in the meditative process of how the Holy Spirit leads us uh, and, and then begin to compare the scriptures that he leads us to, what this implies then is that there is a history here of this being and this creature that seems to predate much of of, of what we have known <laughs> in established historical accounts just from the last 6,000 years. There appears to be a, a much more ancient history going on here, which we won't delve into today, and it can only do so by the permission of the Lord. But it it really, it, you know, it poses some very intriguing thought, you know, about this particular being. And, and and we know that that I think that that's what we see taking place when we go back to Revelation 13. Now let's take a look at it again. Well, with all those, this, brother Marty, go ahead, brother. Not only pre, not only predates, but it, it, it speaks to us of 
how much we will see of him as the church in the earth. Yeah. Um, and and again, we're we're deep into the uh, into the book of Revelation. This is where it messes with a lot of people's heads because they're, they're basically taught not to go any further than Revelations chapter two and three, right? Um, because the, the the rest of the book of Revelation does not apply to us. And and what what we're saying is that uh, I believe I don't know about you, but and I, I know you're believes we've spoken about this, but I believe that. We're well deep, the church is well deep into the book of Revelation, uh, in particular the chapters that we're reading from, uh, which yeah. goes again, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the classical teaching uh, uh, that's taught here concerning the rapture in, in the West, right, which is a pre-tribulation rapture. And this notion mm-hmm. of a pre-tribulation rapture, it, it's the, 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 the the term you're not going to find it in scripture. It's, it's something that's really predetermined, right? Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's what what that's what these these people that teach this predetermined that the end is going to be like uh, in regards to the church and and where it will be and and what it will not go through. Um, and yeah. I think they they get they get confused really with um, the, the misunderstanding of of these two words, which are tribulation and wrath. Yeah. Um, the only thing we're not appointed to, Scripture says, is wrath. Never says right. that we're not appointed to tribulation. Jesus promised that we are appointed to tribulation. That one yeah. thing we we are sure of, right? And so why why is there so much confusion uh, uh, between those two words? It, it's a simple uh, 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 understanding if you really get down to really studying the words itself, right? you will begin to understand that there's a difference between the two. Otherwise, you're not going to understand the book of Revelations, nor will you understand where the church is at in all of this, right? So that, that, that's that's what we're really talking about here. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's a really good point because uh, it is the key issue, uh, and it is the right. misunderstanding, right? It's the misunderstanding between the difference between tribulation and wrath. They're two different and distinct things. Yeah, that's exactly right. You were gonna say, you, you have other things that you were gonna say? No, no. So, so we're reading from the book of Revelation concerning this individual Satan, and, and finding yeah. out information uh, that predates uh, mankind and the creation of mankind and this this earth as we know it. Uh, but yeah. it also tells us what we will see coming in the future concerning this individual as he begins to manifest himself in the earth right? yeah. through this world system yeah. and ultimately through a man. It's <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that uh, good movies could be made out of. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is some very right. interesting stuff, right? And, and uh, But again, the point we want to make is that we're making a distinction between the devil and Apollyon. And it appears that Apollyon in some way, maintains his influence as as a spiritual entity in many ways that is then allowed to take possession of a human body. The devil doesn't do that himself. He, he remains that old serpent. Well, how do you know that? Because we're told that in the end, uh, what's going to happen when the Lord returns is he's going to actually take this wicked one. Uh, 
this Antichrist who's been possessed. He's called the beast, right? Read that to us, Brother Jeremy, uh, in verse uh, in verse 19 and 20, when the Lord returns. Yes. Uh, what chapter? Uh, chapter 19. 19. And you said what verses again? 13. 19 and 20, just for full context here. The Lord returns, yeah. and we're making a. Now remember what we're about to show you. Show you here is that we're making a distinction between the Antichrist, who we believe is possessed by Apollyon, Abaddon, this one from the bottomless pit. We're making the distinction between him and the devil himself, and we can see it here in Revelation 19, 19 and twenty. Can you read that to us? Yes. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So what we see being told here is the beast and the false prophet, two specific individual personalities. We know from the scripture that the the Apollyon that comes up out of the bottomless pit goes into perdition. Perdition is another name for the Antichrist himself. And so he becomes the possessor of that body, as does the uh, false prophet have his own body. And what we're told here is that when the Lord returns, he takes the beast which has been possessed by Apollyon and the false prophet and cast them into the lake of fire. We know that he is different and distinct from the devil in that when we get to verse uh, chapter 20, we see a different fate for Satan himself in, in verse one and two. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Is it the one, uh, chapter 19 still, right, brother? No, chapter 20, verse one and two. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And where does he cast him in verse 3? And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more so the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So taking the plain sense of the scripture here, we, we now see that there are there's distinctions here. You have the beast who is who's inhabited or, or, if you will, becomes... Man, this is really interesting to me, so I hope we're not confusing you, but we'll just follow the scriptural trail we're taking us down here. The Lord's leading us on, but look... The beast, we know from Revelation chapter 9, 11, is that uh, that possessed vessel by the spirit of Apollyon, or that creature that comes up out of the bottomless pit. And, and he takes possession of the beast, uh, or of the Antichrist, as we call him. There's also a false prophet who rises up out of the earth. The two are, are two separate and distinct individual beings. That, that that will emerge and then they will be taken and cast into the lake of fire then in revelation chapter 20 which you just read brother jeremy 
we see a distinction made between the devil and those two that were cast into the lake of fire. The devil himself is cast into a different place. He's cast into the very bottomless pit that was open to let out uh, the, the, the creature that's cast into the lake of fire. So what do we see here? It is really an attempt uh, to replicate the Godhead. We see that uh, we see that there's three, right? Just as there is in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember that what we are told in the book of, of the Gospel of John was that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word becomes flesh, right? And dwelt among us. In many ways, it is the same attempt that the devil is making. And, and if you, the unholy word, if you want to call it, uh, is, is that, that attempt to do what God did in bringing about his only begotten son, in allowing the word of God, who's always been the Alpha, the Omega, to be wrapped in human flesh. The devil himself will make the same attempt. And we see that attempt being made in that he allows, he unlocks the bottomless pit. He takes uh, Apollyon, Abaddon, whatever name you want to give him, Hebrew or Greek, and he takes possession of human flesh. He tries to replicate what the Father did with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, only in an unholy way, of course. And that's what he does. And then we have... Uh, a, a, a unholy representative of spiritual things in what we call the false prophet, according to the scripture, which we just read here. It is an unholy trinity, and it is allowed to manifest itself in the final 42 months of history as we've known it. Any comments? Any thoughts? No, that I... I agree with that. Um, it, it's 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 always been the enemy's intention intention to mimic uh, what God does. Um, yeah. So we see that this is a powerful, powerful fallen angel uh, that of the likes we've never seen before. That's right. Uh, with with direct and strict orders from the devil himself to perform his will. Yes. With all power. With all the powers of darkness, right? Uh, Paul mentioned that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of darkness of this world. All that will be under his control, right? Yes. Overseen by the devil himself. So, in, yes. in, in manifesting itself through a man. Right? So, the, yes. the distinction that you make there um, is, is very powerful because uh, Apollyon. I remember studying uh, prophecy for many years, and he's a mystery, right? Abaddon, Apollyon, yeah. he's a mystery to to many. Um, but if we study the scripture carefully, we'll begin to see that he he is a separate entity or being uh, yes. from Satan. But many don't know how to uh, really describe his 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 his, his uh, you know his his, his job description so to speak right yeah <laughs> what, what no, is he intended to do right yeah. and so we're seeing here exactly what uh what, what what he does and what he is seeking to do um and, and you, brought, you brought up the point that uh just like the father sent jesus christ in the flesh uh well this is the devil's uh mimicking of that right uh through this yeah. 
being this powerful fallen angel called Abaddon or Apollyon. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. You know uh, yeah. what you're saying there. As you're talking, I'm just thinking about um, what the implications of it are. You know, it, it, and maybe it's little boys like to talk about fantastic things, but I mean, this is implying that there is a whole history here of of the most incredibly mysterious thing. Uh, what can we dis- deduce from it just analytically? Where does he come from? He comes from the bottom of his pit. Well, how did he get there? Obviously, he's one bad. Where was he at? Where was he at before? <laughs> yeah. What What necessitated that he be cast into the bottomless pit to begin with? Right. Hey, this is one bad hombre, right? I mean, he's been in hold and in check at least for 6,000 to 10,000 years of human history now, man. I mean, he's, he's been there at least that long. There's no mention of him in in, uh, in the pre-flood history before the flood, right? Before Noah's, you know, ark and all that. He's not even mentioned there. But there are hints when you get to, uh, you know, like Jeremiah chapter 4. Verse 25, when you get to Peter, he seems to talk about a world that existed um, before Noah's flood even. Remember when Peter talks about the earth standing in the water and out of the water? Let's take a look at that real quick. Might as well just go down this rabbit trail since we started it. <laughs> so, uh, I find it fascinating myself. So listen, uh in 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 second peter i think it is when he talks about them uh he calls it the world that then was um can you read to us brother jeremy verse uh four through seven second peter chapter three verse four through seven and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perish. Keep going. Seven. Yeah, verse seven. Uh-huh. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So there's so much here, but one of the things that he seems to be implying, we could argue it. I mean, there, there's good arguments, but but I find it interesting in the language, and I think that's what makes it distinct from Noah's flood. There appears to have been a different flood. I remember in our teaching on, <laughs> on Let There Be Light, that whole teaching we did on the Spirit of God, we talked about by the time we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, the entire planet is plunged into water, right? And, and that's, it, it's found in a chaotic and destructive state, requiring the Spirit of God to move over it to calm the waters, to end the, uh, what appears to be an apparent judgment. Peter describes it as the world that uh that then was 
he talks about it in this sense, the very first time he talks about it is that the earth in verse 5, the bottom of verse 5, the earth was standing out of the water and in the water. This is what makes it distinct from Noah's flood. Because Noah's flood uh, covered the whole earth, right? And and when you when you read Noah's flood, you'll see that the waters uh, were like a I don't know how many how far above, but it was far above every known mountain peak at the time. So that's a completely flooded globe. Peter seems to be hinting at here a time when water was used as a tool of judgment. Uh, and and that the earth wasn't completely inundated, but it was standing in the water and out of the water. It's quite possible that that world that then was, which is completely mysterious to us, yet I believe there's hints there that it was somewhere in that period of time that maybe, um, because he references the heavens, right? Uh, when he met, <laughs> he talks about. Uh, they're willingly eager that the heavens were of old and the earth was standing in the water and out of the water as in a position of judgment. So uh, there's so much fascination here, but, but the point Um, of all this is, go ahead, brother, what were you going to say? And I think we also get a hint, brother, uh, uh, Marty, I know you could talk a lot about this one, but it just in the meaning of his name, Abaddon uh, means uh, destruction in the Hebrew and the name of Polyon means destroyer. So we get an insight, uh, you know, yes. to, uh, of, of what he did and who he is, you know, and just yes. gives way to what happened before. Right. It was quite possible when, because uh, that is what his names mean, that when he was let out briefly, uh, that he went through Egypt and, and killed all the firstborn in Egypt. He's known as the destroyer, right? Uh, wow. it, it was it was God Himself who let right. him out briefly. <laughs> this is really amazing stuff to me. But see, the point of all of it is is that He will be let out again. That's what Revelation chapter nine is teaching us. And why are we talking about all this? Because as we get into the next couple of days, Lord willing, what we're going to see is is it's quite possible that what we are witnessing currently, and the way that the events are currently unfolding and shaping uh, around the globe right now, uh, and specifically the struggle that we're seeing over uh, this nation and the church within it, is that there are forces at work here, as Paul, like Brother Fernando quoted to us earlier, warned us about, that the struggle, and whenever there's struggles on a global nature, especially as the church, we better take note that we are not wrestling with the intents of flesh and blood human beings here, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness, he goes on to say, in heavenly places. And so we are witnessing... Go ahead. let's, let's, Let's remind the people again what we're up against. Sometimes we need to remind the people, hey, we're up against spiritual forces that are unseen. Yeah. The election, the, the presidency and election of Donald Trump as president of the United States, um, he became an obstacle to the Democratic Party and the global agenda. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, as far as the eyes can see. But we have to understand that w- God puts people into, into, into power. We know that. 
Yeah. And somehow he won the presidency. But understand this. It could very well be that his presidency was to hold back the powers of darkness that are behind the global agenda and, and, the, and, and the Democratic liberals. It's not the Democratic yeah. liberals. It's not, it's not the world leaders. It's what's behind it yes. that, that, that is pushing this agenda, the unseen world, right? So, so yeah. God has a way to, to, to kind of push back the powers of darkness. But, again, I want to remind the people because, you know, it's, it's post-election now, right? It's after election, everybody's all confused, and it's like, wait, you know, this is what we're talking about here is what's behind everything. Don't yeah. lose sight of that, and don't forget that. You know? Yeah, especially, and that's why we're addressing our brothers and sisters in this way, because if we if we take a, a a pull back, you know, and take an overview of what's actually happened, which we're going to attempt to do this week, Lord willing, uh, it will all begin to make sense. At least we're going to attempt to to put forth to you a prophetic thesis. And to bring some clarity and answers to what we're actually witnessing here. Uh, you know, I had intended to start in a different position or from a different point uh, from the beginning, actually. But I felt like the Lord, uh, I know, and I know the Lord let, put me in this direction to almost like start right in the middle. But we're going to go back and see how we got to the middle. But I want to, you know, emphasize again in, in verse 5 that what we're being told in verse 5 of chapter 13 of the book of Revelation is that it's a brief period when he's actually revealed this Antichrist figure, and, and that, that it's only 42 months, three and a half years. It will be given into his hand, and, and that is what triggers uh, many of the, of the trumpets, the vials, the bulls, whatever you want to call it, and, and ultimately the three woes that are seen in the book of Revelation, which pours out the wrath of God. But leading up to that wrath, there is something revealed here, and, and that it's specifically directed toward the church. Now, we're not there yet, but we are well into this Revelation 13, you know, because what we see from verse 1 through 4 is the emerging of the global state. And it's being driven by the dragon himself, that old serpent, that old dragon, uh, that the devil. It's being driven. It begins to emerge in chapter uh, 13, verse 1, from the sea, the beast that rises out of the sea. Uh, that beast is a system. It's comprised of all the previous attempts of global empires to enslave the world coming together as one expression emerging out of the population of the planet. And so what that teaches us is that there is some sort of, of historical uh, conditioning uh, of the mind and the collective of the nations of the world that seem to begin to begin to emerge over time and once they begin to emerge then we see the other components begin to be represented by horns and crowns and all that symbolic language and then verse 2 speaks of the leopard the bear and the lion but then it talks about the dragon giving that leopard bear and lion its power but as we go on in that in verse 3 and 4 it is always represented as a system comprised of global empires which each and every one were energized by the devil himself only 
This time, what's being told is it's going to be allowed to happen, and it's going to be the culmination of of historical events that go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, really, because he's identified as that old dragon, right? This is an old thing manifesting itself at the end of time. Now, what's interesting is that once the system reaches this final three-and-a-half-year period, that's when it says in verse 5, a mouth is given to it. And that is where we are identifying that the Antichrist becomes the Antichrist. It's as if the invested evil of all these things takes the form of a man at that point. It doesn't mean that he just materializes. What we do know from prophecies like the book of Isaiah is that there is going to be a global leader that's all in the mix of this global system that we see arising and attempting to flood the earth right now, that he will become possessed. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a hedonistic, ungodly leader to this point, but some an additive called Apollyon Abaddon, that spirit out of the bottomless pit, is going to be allowed to go into him. And he... He then metamorphoses from a mere man into the devil man, if you will, the Antichrist. Now, right. right? So what we see then, what does he do? What is he going to do? The first thing he does is verse 6. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 6? Yes. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. It's incredible what he does. He begins to attack God by, by blaspheming him. And so if we pause for a second here and consider what we're witnessing, what is being told to us, and what we're already beginning to witness, by the way, and have for many years, but it's 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 increasing right now. And it's something that the Lord told us would happen. Remember what he said to to the church in his in his great Olivet Discourse, that great discourse of chapter twenty four and twenty five of the end times, when he's revealing all that. One of the things he says there is that you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Right? You're going to be hated, church, because of me. Well, what what we're seeing here and what we are already uh, well into is 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 the lack of restraint that we are witnessing even in our time and even on our streets here in America. The restraint of uh, that 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 seemed to exist is being removed. The restraint of the ungodly in their attacks against the church. One of the chief components of the whole BLM Antifa rioting over the summer, if you remember, was tearing down statues that have anything to do with the history of the nation, which is anchored uh, in divine providence, and the burning of churches and the burning of Bibles in our street and the attacks against the Christian church, the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're already seeing that, and it is a signal to us the discerning amongst us, at least, that that the spirit of, of the devil is moving the world in the direction of eliminating the church. 
it will ultimately be given full license to do that for the final three and a half years of human history. So in verse 5, when we see that a mouth is given to him, that is where we actually see the possession of the Antichrist, the one that emerges from amongst all the global leaders. Into him will go this Apollyon, and he instantly begins to attack God. And then when it says in verse 6, to blaspheme his name, obviously that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the name of Christ, but also um, a little deeper is is what the word what the word uh for for in the greek for his name actually means can you look that up for us brother jeremy do you have access to that today the word name what, uh, name in what chapter again brother chapter 13 verse 6 okay i'll look it up right now <clears throat> to blaspheme his name we're looking at the characteristics of what he's going to do where his energies are challenged I mean, it's a right away kind of thing. It's quite amazing, right. you know, because it, 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 it's just for a side note, you know, it gives us a hint as to his 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 fallen nature and what may have been in in the ancient past that led to his casting into the bottomless pit. But that's for another day. So go ahead, brother. Uh, it means a universally a proper names the name is used for everything which is the name which the name covers everything that the thought or feelings of which is aroused in the mind by mentioning hearing remembering the name is that and it also means uh, go ahead brother well i i believe it means his authority and his character yes oh yes yes for one's rank, authority, pleasure, command, uh, character. Yeah, so what he begins to attack is the very authority of God. And, and he calls into question the character of God. That's what it means. It's blasphemy at the highest order. Because he's going to be That's moving. Second, second Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks about that, right? Yes, it does. Can you read that to us? Do you have your Bible there or your computer or whatever yeah. you young people use nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, dis which completely describes exactly who this Apollyon being is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and his uh, character flowing through uh, the Mount of Sin. Um, let me see here. I think you're talking says, about three and four. Yeah, and even verse nine. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll go from verse nine. It says, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth uh, that they might be saved. Um, I think you're right. It's a little earlier. Uh, it's, yeah, verse 3 and 4. Okay. It says, let, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. There it is. The son of perdition, hmm. who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Powerful. 
So taking that in context is a great scripture. What Paul is speaking of is the coming of the Lord, right? In verse 2, mm-hmm. the day of Christ. He says, don't let anyone deceive you that the actual appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to take place until the Antichrist is revealed. Right? That's right. Verse 3. If you read verse verse 2, uh, don't be shaken in your mind or troubled by spirit or, or somebody's prophecy or some letter, uh, as if somebody sent a letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. He was writing to the early church to tell them, look, which blows the whole pre-tribulation you know, theory out of the water because what they teach us is Jesus could come today, right? At any moment, he could come right now. Well, that's not what Paul right. said. <laughs> he said there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to happen, church, before Jesus can come. That's what he was saying. So in other words, he was actually saying, so hunker down and play your part in the history of the church, but it ain't going to happen in your time. He says, and don't let anybody deceive you, verse 3, by any means, because Jesus isn't coming back, he says, until the church reaches a place where it begins to fall away first. They have to fall away first, he said, and then that man of sin and that man of sin be revealed. It's a twofold thing that's going to occur. The falling away of the church gives way to the revelation of the Antichrist. It makes the way for him. We have always been the chief component that prevents uh, the act, the ultimate onslaught and flood of evil from taking over the world. And and what Paul is revealing here is that 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 there there has to come a falling away for us. So the church first had to grow up, become the church throughout the millennia. But he points them to the end of time and the return of the Lord. And we know that it's the end of the time because he connects it to the revelation of the man of sin, right? The Antichrist. And I think your whole point was he's asking in verse 4 the way he is in Revelation chapter 13, right? He goes to attack God, everything that's about God. And he begins to talk about and against God. It's it's incredible because the scripture uh, is in harmony with itself, right? So... So, so there's um, did you, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, and again, I just want mm-hmm. to reiterate uh, what we read in chapter 13, right in verse two, where he says the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And and again, that word power is not just you know because when I thought about that, I just think about a display of things, but right. I think it's what he's given him is a system. And, yes, and, so, and that's very important. If I want to just, you know, just take one minute just to say this real quick. When we talk about a, a, the system of, of, of Satan, the devil, we're not talking about someone just winging it. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a sophisticated system, organized, systematically. And I don't know, for, one, for some reason, uh, the Lord brought the scripture. Remember when they were saying about Jesus that he, he was doing miracles by, by Bel, uh, Beelzebub? Remember that? The prince of yes. the devils, mm-hmm. and, yes. and and Jesus would say something very interesting that I, I think we can connect it to what we're talking about when he speaks about every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And so I, I think we get an in, in, in inside of this system, sophisticated system that uh that that the devil has 
we're not just dealing with a display of something here. You know, the devil gives him the power to do all. It's you know, if we can focus just on the uh, demonstration, which will, which it will be, but um, we're, we're speaking about a system that is given to him, right? I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. You know, no, but, um, that's well. Well, that's exactly what we're saying, and and what we're saying is that verse one through four of Revelation thirteen reveals and describes the system and that it's in place, entrenched, resurrected, and functioning as a system. And once it's in place, and it's likened at the end of verse 4, to such a system as to be unable to make war against it. You can't fight against it. It is so deeply entrenched within the policing of every human being on the planet that no one can resist or make war against it. Once it achieves that level, and we're nearing that now, whether people realize it or not, it's called the surveillance state. It's called the global agenda, the great global reset, whatever you want to call it. It's all moving to connect the levers and tighten the screws, if you will. The framework is is already here. And, And it's why you're witnessing such a fight over this country right now because the country itself is the last remaining bastion of freedom on the earth as as messed up as it is <laughs> and as you know broken as it is there are yet a a a a a a righteous remnant within its borders that still hold the constitutional republics and belief in god it has to be brought down and and the question is and what we're posing is are we seeing the final throes in that the whole world has gathered against it? Have you asked yourself the question, why are all these global leaders, you know, acquiescing to to, to uh, what has not actually been determined yet? Just because the media is proclaiming it doesn't make it so. There are constitutional laws at play here that, that, that the foundation of the nation are built upon. But what we are watching is a concerted effort to, to sway uh, through satanic psyop, if you will, you know, the molding and the shaping of mental thought by global tech, global media, global leaders. Ask yourself, what is happening? We believe that we are witnessing the the attempt, and only God can determine whether it's going to happen or not, but we're we're very close. We are so precariously close to it right now that if we actually really fully understood it, I don't think any of us would crawl out from underneath our bed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. To, to, to think, you, you know, to think that the, the the condition we're in, just to attribute it to some liberals who who, who don't love God, who, who are against God. No, we're telling you, look under the covers beyond that. Yeah. This is this is sat- more than satanic. I don't know yes. what word to use. These are well, high rank. Yeah. High rank. <laughs> Um, principalities and powers. Think about it. Yes. This is the type of thing that went on in the days of Noah. It yes. took fallen angels to sway the world of that time in just 10 generations to mm-hmm. sway it that it got to the point that, that God himself saw the wickedness of men that it was so great. They were so influenced. They were so swayed that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil Continue. Yes. That's why Jesus 
compared the last days to the days of Noah because it's going to take satanic uh, uh, involvement of that caliber. Principalities, yes. powers. You're talking about Apollyon, perhaps the, yeah. the highest rank, the most power, one of the most, some say even more powerful than Satan. I don't know, but that that's what mm -hmm. I'm talking to you. That's what we're talking about is the level. It, it, that's why it goes more than just, you know, the left against the right, you know, some politicians, God haters. No, it's there's something that is influencing and what you read and what you quoted from Matthew 25, that all the nations, you shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. Yes. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, and and again, uh, the, the highest of the being, of course, we know from the scripture is, is, is the devil himself. You know, we see that in what we were quoting in Revelation 19. But he's a, he's a close second, at least, right? <laughs> yes, yes. He's, uh, he's Apollyon. Uh, it, it, but, but the point is, like, what you guys both have brought out is very powerful, and that's that, you know, what we are witnessing is well beyond uh, right and left political, you know, discourse or, or, or argument. And, and what we are witnessing is that what you said, Brother Jeremy, it is the struggle between very high forces of light and darkness. It is a struggle between good and evil. It really is down to that. Now, if you want to frame it within the context of of a simple Democrat versus Republican kind of thing, well, you're missing everything because it is so far beyond that now uh, that that we are actually witnessing the the push toward the the connecting of the pieces. They're they're pretty much connected all over the world. And 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 our nation itself, while the church slept, has been flooded with individuals that are controlled by satanic power. Whether they are, you know, they're not. We're not talking about people in the backyard killing chickens here. You know, we're talking about people that have been taken over by satanic influence of the mind. So it's not necessarily that they are necessarily possessed, you know, with a Linda Blair kind of demonic power. You know, no, we're talking about satanic influence over the mind projecting thought into the human consciousness collectively so especially in the halls of power whether they realize it or not now we do know from the scripture there are those that have cut a deal with the devil but they are in the shadows so far deep and they're the puppet masters of, of, of these ungodly but the ungodly themselves are basically uh, doing what they are being influenced to do the level of what they actually understand about what they're doing, that can be debated. But nonetheless, right. what you're pointing out is absolutely true. This is a struggle between light and darkness, principality and power, ad infinitum. <laughs> and so what we see, right? Were you going to say something, Brother Fernando? No, that's, that's powerful, just agreeing with what you were saying. Yeah, praise the Lord. So what we see here then is that once the system is entrenched in, from one through four, it then enters into the final uh, three and a half years of its power. At that moment, a mouth is given. It's at that moment that uh, from amongst the global elite, from amongst the world leaders, one will be taken full possession of, inhabited by Apollyon, Abaddon as he's known. He is that creature from the bottomless pit. How that occurs, I have no idea, but that's what the scripture says. But what we notice that he does in verse 6 is he immediately moves to begin to, uh, to, 
to, to preach a doctrine or a dogma against God himself, against his authority, against his character. And, 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 and then he begins to move against the church, the saints. Now, this is where we'll pick it up from tomorrow. And also, and also, also has the ability uh, and, and, and the intelligence to unite the world yes. uh, with one mind of the likes we have not seen since the days of Nimrod. Right. The same kind of sophistication and intelligence that Nimrod possessed and where he was almost able to bring about what uh, the man of sin will be able to do, right, is the yes. same spirit. That that we're seeing moving, um, and all, and again, it, 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 and we know that Nimrod was was a was a hunter, and he and he hunted God's people, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he came against God's people, so we see the same characteristics there. Yeah, and I want to pick this up here tomorrow because it's very fascinating. We've kind of just laid a a, a broad thought process here of, of what we're experiencing right now. At, at a very high level, is a struggle for the final bastion of potential liberty, freedom, and the propagation of the gospel on the planet. It is why this great struggle is taking place. Let's just conclude with this, and, and we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. Uh, he, he moves in verse 6 against God. He blasphemes the authority and character of God. He attacks his tabernacle. We can look at that in many ways, but that seems to imply when you compare Scripture with Scripture, and we won't get into that at length, <laughs> but but we'll just point it out for you Bible prophecy students, that that Jesus spoke of the abomination that maketh desolate, right? It appears to be in some sense that the tabernacle will be rebuilt or set up almost in some sense, and I'm just speculating now, that a tabernacle will first be erected. It will be allowed to be erected amongst the Jewish state as a precursor for a temple to be built quite possibly. We're not sure about it, but there seems to be at least a tabernacle. It can also be viewed as the the habitation of God by his spirit. If you want to look at it from a more spiritual point of view, that is the church itself. Whichever way we're looking at, he, he attacks everything that has to do with God. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it, or what is the strategy behind it? You know, why go after God? Why go after his church? It is the, it is the global agenda, right? Right. It, and, 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 and what's going to be propagated, and why you see, and I'll just throw this out there, why you see things like the Green New Deal, the emphasis on climate change, the worship of the creation, instead of the creator the the how they've been labeling us over the last several years right as as climate deniers or or uh you know they 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 they, they push us off into the side and label us as people who are at odds with science and the scientific community we're just these deplorable you know <laughs> you know chumps you know these these really ignorant bible thumping people right uh we're the problem See, it, it's it's it, we're, we've been the problem all along. 
We've been the ones preventing, you know, the, the utopian lie of the devil that, 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 that is being propagated here. It's interesting that he goes against them. And then in verse 7, he goes t- to make war with the saints. But notice what it says in verse 7. It's given to him. Here is the faith and the patience of the saints we were talking about. He's going to be allowed to to uh, to to come against the saints of the living God. And listen to what it says. Can you read verse 7 again, Brother Jeremy, and look at the connection here? Verse 7, and we'll close. We'll pick it up from here tomorrow. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So when we talked earlier about the restraining force of the children of light who have within their hearts the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, notice that he attacks the saints and that he has to overcome them. He has to be given a a position of power over the saints of God before he can actually control the rest of the world. That's how it's written. Power is given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. One. Mm. You see it? Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, that's good. Then the power is given him over all the nations of the world where he solidifies it. He has to remove. And that is what the Lord is asking of us to understand, that it's part of of what God is doing because he's this is the path to the ultimate destruction of the beast the false prophet the system itself the devil himself but the church itself is going to have to understand that at a very deep level that's why John said it in verse 10 this is the faith this is the patience of the saints right here if we can get over the finish line, you understand what I'm saying? He's trying to tell us, you're going to have to get over this finish line right here. But I'm going to strengthen you through it. Hallelujah. Just like he did Jesus. He sweat, yeah. as it were, great drops of blood. But once the issue was settled, he got up and he met them head on and said, who is it that you seek? Hallelujah. He knew. <laughs> There was a Calvary ahead, but he knew there was an empty tomb on the other side of it, and death could never touch him again. That is what's going to be asked of a of a great portion of the end-time church. And we believe we're seeing events moving us in this direction. They're, they're just ahead, and it's quite possible that the timing of it is all being contested right now. And that is why every single day from this point on, is going to be incredibly volatile. Anything could happen. Be ready for it. Be praying. Be seeking God. So we're going to pick it up from here tomorrow so we can dig deeper into this connection between the overcoming of the saints and the final overrunning of the whole planet. Now, I want to show you something here as we close today because he moves to overcome the saints, and what's very interesting is verse 11. Can you read verse 11 to us, Brother Jeremy? And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke 
as a dragon. We will get into this at length, Lord willing, and, and really go into this. But look at look at the strategy here. It is pointed out to us that when the saints are attacked and and overcome and allowed to be overcome and, and taken captive, some will die, some will will live, some will be put into some sort of, you know, prison like facility. That's what it seems to be indicating here. I'm not trying to scare anybody here. Trust me, this is global we're talking about. Uh, so whatever we have been apportioned in, in these final, and remember, it's just a, a short time. It's now we're not, not talking about 100 years here. We're talking about a very short time in the in in, in a quite possibly a future that's ahead. What we're being told is that verse 11, another that's when the other beast makes his appearance. It's tied to the persecution of the saints. See, this other beast is described as having two horns like a lamb. So he comes from a, from a position of Christian, pseudo-Christian appearance. He has to arise in order to validate the the justification for attacking who God calls the saints. He's going to move from that position and legitimize the persecution of the true church, all the while looking like a representative of the church. I believe, I believe that that's what this whole end-time papacy is all about and why he's thrown his little yarmulke in into, into the ring with the UN global agenda, but we'll talk about that as we explore this further this week, because we believe we're right here, at least very close, and things are already well underway, well in motion. And and we, as a community of believers, brothers and sisters, our job is, is to truly seek the Lord and and to be led of his spirit to be very, very calculating and strategic in what we do going forward. This is no joke. This is this is it, brothers and sisters. This is it. Now we're not giving to you speculation, uh, you know, even except for where we pointed out. We have been quoting scripture all along for the last eight months to you on these podcasts. And we take what we take from the word of God. And so what we're showing you and connecting the dots for you is is to simply prepare all of us and to reveal to us uh by the by the grace of the holy spirit the the times that we're living in and so it's not a time to be afraid but it is a time to get you know to redouble our efforts to maintain a seriousness with god and to ask him to help us to overcome anything that is that is in the way between us and becoming what he's always destined us to be and that is that glorious church without spot and wrinkle. And so we encourage you to join us tomorrow. We're going to pick it up from here uh, where where we'll dig in deeper into understanding the connective, the connective dots that are seeming to point to us now, even now, that we're nearing these days. But knowing that these days are ahead, we also know the glorious fact is that it's telling us the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and soon and very soon, we will see our king. Place your hope and trust in him. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. 
brothers, please, anything else you have to say, and, and then we'll close it out. You know, many years ago, the great woman of God, Corey Ten Boom, uh, we all know, if you haven't heard her story, a powerful story, how she survived the Holocaust. She was put in a concentration camp, right, for helping uh, many Jews. And she said that after um, she went to minister, after all of these years, she began to minister around the world. And she said that when she got to China, uh, the Christians were told, don't worry. Before the tribulation comes, you will be translated, raptured. (laughs) But she said, then came a terrible persecution where millions of Christians, even till today, have been tortured to death. And she said this, and this is what I want to leave you with today for all our, our precious brothers and sisters. You know, whether you believe this doctrine or not, we, we know that you love God, but I want you to hear this. She said, later I heard a pastor from China say this. He said, we have failed. Speaking, speaking as ministers, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them Jesus would come first. Tell the people how to be strong in times of persecution, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and not faint. And I I really take this to heart, you know, as as a minister. Nobody wants to be telling this, but it's the truth. And I think with these studies, in a sense, that's what we are doing. We are preparing the people for what is to come so that we can stand and not faint when it does happen. So these are things to to think about. It's been an incredible study we've had today in the book of Revelation as 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 God has been uh showing us the things that are just ahead of us and the purpose why things are happening. So we pray that that you continue with us on this journey as brother Marty said. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue our study in this of the book of Revelation. We pray the Lord bless you. Pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.